Greetings, friend, and welcome to the Between the Covers podcast, where we are working every day to remove the self-limiting beliefs that are preventing us from becoming the heroes of our own stories. My name is Marcus Barr, and I wanted to do another hero study today. In fact, I'm going to see if I can do this every single month. I'm quite enjoying these, though I am recognizing they should be more researched compared to when I was listening back to the Rudolph one. It's like, oh, maybe maybe I really should have some notes in order to help me with this. Today, the hero that I wanted to talk about is juror number eight, and this is based on the 12 Angry Men play, and I wasn't even aware of this play until it was October of last year, October in 2023, when a friend of mine who is a teacher at a high school around here did a dramatic performance of 12 Angry Jurors which is the exact same play, but it allows for women to be cast into the play as well. For those who are unfamiliar, I will set the stage for this play. It's set in 1950s New York City, and there are 12 jurors who are asked to deliberate and decide whether a young man who's 19 years old is guilty of murdering his father. There are many individuals who are in this jury who are prejudiced toward this young man because he's from the slums. He's not that well off. He has a history of theft and knife fighting He even had a stint at a reform school. This young man is accused of murdering his father, and the play starts with the 12 jurors coming into their room to deliberate the sentence on, or not the sentence, the verdict. They are deliberating on the verdict of whether this young man is guilty or not. Out of the 12 individuals who are sitting on this jury, everyone believes that this man is guilty, except for one, and that's juror number eight. When I watched these high schoolers do this rendition of this play, it was very impactful because one of the things that stands out to me about juror number eight is how he did not allow his emotions to drive his decision. He remained level-headed and sticking strictly to the facts and the evidence of the case. You might be able to imagine, if you haven't seen this before, that they need a unanimous vote that this young man is guilty and there is one person who is saying i don't think he's guilty i think there is reasonable doubt the entire premise of this play is juror number eight 
sharing what he observes as what is giving him reasonable doubt that this man is not guilty of the crime that he's being accused of. And there is a lot on the line. It's a difficult position to be in to decide whether someone is guilty or not guilty of a crime because you don't want to send an innocent person to prison and then at the same time you don't want to let a murderer loose. And yet throughout this entire play, one of the things that I saw over and over and I'm getting some of these notes from other sources because this play's been around for a while. There have been at least there's been at least one movie that was made of this. And one of the things that stands out to me about this character is even when others are angry, even when others are pushing and trying to force him to make a decision that is in favor of what they want just so they can be done with this, he pushes back. He does not give in to their pressure. He doesn't give in to their bullying. He continues to seek out justice. He continues to make this trial as fair as he possibly can and he looks at all of the evidence and the testimonies and points out where he sees some things that aren't really adding up, some things that aren't really making sense. And one of the things that I really liked early on, anyways, is when he's wanting to talk about why everyone else is saying, you're not going to change my mind about this. And yet, Juror 8 says, I am not trying to change your mind. I just want to talk. That's it. He really had no... Maybe he had an agenda of trying to sway the others, but really, he just wanted to be heard. He wanted the others to know and to see that to him, it wasn't as clear-cut. It wasn't as clean as everyone else was making it to be. And he challenged a lot of those who were standing in their emotions and their prejudices about this young man from the slums. One of the characteristics about juror number eight that stands out to me is how compassionate he was. He, not that I can recall, but he really didn't attack anyone else or disregard their beliefs or their experiences. He was very good at acknowledging what the other person was saying and was also brave enough to say, but I don't see it the same way, and here's why. In this high school play, there were several different votes that were cast. 
And it was interesting because most of the time when they would do an anonymous vote, you would start to see more and more people saying that they were of the same belief that, oh, you know, there is some reasonable doubt here. Maybe this young man is actually not guilty. Oh, that frustrated some of the other jurors, as you can imagine. And yet, they continued looking into all of the evidence, looking into all of the testimonies, and he got other people to start talking and sharing about some of their experiences that started to let others see that, oh, you know what? He might actually be right. One of the other jurors had experience in knife fights. And you took a look at the evidence of how this man's father was stabbed with a knife, and it didn't make sense. It didn't make sense why he would attack the way that he did when this young man was an experienced knife fighter. And this other juror is like, oh, you know what? Now that you bring that up, it really doesn't make sense. That evidence, just that conversation, made that juror start to see that, oh, there is a reasonable doubt that this isn't true. And he was really good. Juror 8 was really good at getting others to get out of their emotions. One of the things that I have learned is we're not always the best at making decisions when we are letting our emotions drive our decision making. In fact, to get a little personal here, it's one of the reasons why whenever I am voting, I am very intentional about checking in with myself. And if there is a statement that is being expressed by the certain candidate and they are trying to get me angry and riled up, I don't trust them. I do not trust people that are trying to stoke my emotions in order for me to make a decision that is based on fear instead of one that has me looking at this agenda at maybe they're the other candidate. I mean, for one thing, if one candidate only is firing at the other candidate, I tend to not agree with those individuals. No, tell me what you're going to do. Don't tell me how wrong and messed up the other person is. Do not get my emotions involved in this decision. And why is that so important for me? Because I do not make good decisions when my emotions are running the show. I will get riled up. I will get angry. I will become afraid. And those are not great places for me to make a rational and well-informed decision. And so Juror 8 was very good at getting these prejudiced and, we'll say, excitable 
jurors in their emotions to take a step back and truly analyze what was in front of them. As I had said before, he was also very good at acknowledging what the others were saying, and he was very calm about it. He, at least in the, the play that I saw, there was only one time when he really had a strong reaction to what was going on, and that was when one of the other jurors made a move to stab him with a knife. The emotionally charged juror wasn't trying to harm juror number eight. And yet, it was still the one time where this individual was truly, like, reactionary. The rest of the time, he was level-headed, he was compassionate, and he was calm. He stuck to the facts. He stuck to his convictions. And he also wouldn't let the others try and sway him with their emotional arguments. That's not really something I see too often these days. In fact, uh, I swear, more and more often, there are people that are just trying to get us riled up. In this age of the internet, when you can say anything behind a screen and behind a username that does not get tied back to you, oh man, there are so many trolls and people just spewing vitriol all the time that to have someone who is willing to hear what this other person is saying and say, no, I, I understand where you're coming from with that. I understand why you think that, yet that's not going to change my mind. And here is all of the evidence that I believe says that this is not true. It's standing out to me that juror number eight, where all of these other 11 jurors were believing that this man is guilty of murder, they only saw him as a monster. They only saw him as the worst possible evil that could be expressed or lived out in this world. And yet, what number eight had done from the very beginning is he continued to see this young man as a human, continued to see the humanity in him. He was interested in understanding this young man's past and how his past could have played a part into some of these actions and whether or not they made sense. I find it incredibly helpful when there are people that will hold on to my story, my past, that will not disregard my experiences and tell me, no, it doesn't matter. You shouldn't have done that anyways, or you shouldn't have said that, or it doesn't excuse what's going on. 
we have all of these driving forces inside of us. We're making decisions based on what happened decades ago, what we learned decades ago. To have someone who understands that and acknowledges what we have gone through and where we are now and where we came from, that's, that's incredible. That's healing. As I went back into my notes, I do want to point out that I was mistaken. The young man who's on trial is 18, not 19. And he is, he is facing a horrible fate. This is something that juror number eight holds incredible respect for. He knows what he is responsible for. And because of that, he is able to remove his emotions or find logical and reasonable justifications for the emotions that he does experience. One of the things that Juror 8 continued to exemplify throughout this entire play is that he wanted to make sure that this young man was given the fair trial that he deserves. In this day and age where everyone is proven, no, everyone is guilty until proven innocent, this man, again, this was back in the 50s when this was taking place, he wanted to make sure that he was following what was expected for him in that position that the young man was innocent until proven guilty. If he had any kind of doubt that this young 18-year-old who was in the slums, grew up in the slums, had a horrible experience, was beat by his father, was mistreated by society, if people were looking at him and just seeing him as a monster, he wanted to be the one who stood and said, that's not right, let's be fair about this, and let's make sure that there is no doubt whatsoever. If you ever have the opportunity to see this play, whether it is 12 Angry Men or 12 Angry Jurors, I highly encourage that you do. It was a phenomenal play to watch. This man was willing to stand behind his convictions regardless of what others were saying around him, regardless of how others were trying to influence him. He remained logical, he remained rational, and he looked at everything with the level of scrutiny that I'm guessing he would have wanted others to look at if he were in that same position. That's a very honorable individual. It takes a strong person to be able to step away from our emotions and how we are responding emotionally to an experience in order to see things from a calm and collected and rational perspective. I hope you enjoyed this look at this month's hero, juror number eight from 12 Angry Jurors or 12 Angry Men. 
and I'm looking forward to the next one and we'll see how this goes doing this every single month. So I hope you guys found this individual inspiring as I did of what it can look like for us to become the heroes of our own stories by seeing how others were heroes in their own ways, whether real life or fictional. And until next time, live strong for today. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. If you like what you're hearing and you're interested in working with me, there is a link to my website in the show notes and also a link just to schedule a free 50-minute one-on-one call with me. Let's get the conversation started. Also, please rate and review this podcast so more people are able to find it. Thank you so much, and I'm looking forward to talking with you again soon.